Hey, good morning. Let's go ahead and uh, bow our heads. We'll open in prayer. Uh, Father God, we do praise you this morning, Lord, for who you are. Lord, we praise you this morning for uh, your love, your grace, your mercy toward us. Lord, we thank you this morning for the privilege to serve you, to worship you together. Lord, to hold your words and accurate translation thereof in our hands. Father, we thank you for the privilege to study them together this morning. I pray, Lord, that you give us hearts to do just that now. Father, work in both classes now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Young people, you may be dismissed. Uh, older people, <laughs> turn, if you would, please, to Revelation uh, chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2 this morning. Uh, actually, turn back, uh, look back uh, to... Uh, chapter 1, verse 19, once again, pastor again, yes, thank you, uh, be reminded once again this morning, uh, chapter 1, verse 19 does seem to be an inspired outline of the book. We've seen uh, the first part, write, uh, the Lord commanding John, write the things which thou hast seen. Uh, he had the privilege uh, to see the resurrected, glorified Lord Jesus Christ, and, and we saw that as John wrote it. Uh, we're looking now at the things which are or were in, in John's day, Zach, these messages uh, to the churches. We'll see this morning the second message uh, um, to the second church, be uh, Smyrna this morning. Uh, and then uh, eventually uh, we'll get to the things which shall be uh, hereafter, prophecy regarding the tribulation period uh, and things that follow. So. Uh, be reminded this morning that that is our outline. Now turn over, uh, please, uh, to uh, chapter 2, uh, beginning in verse 8, we'll see uh, the message to Smyrna. What was the first church that was addressed? Do you recall? Uh, what was the first church that was addressed? Ephesus? Ephesus, uh, correct. So uh, these churches, of course, you, you recall that are in um, what was called Asia, the province of Asia, uh, not the it's continent of Asia that we think of today, but the Roman province of Asia, essentially modern-day Turkey. Uh, so, of course, Ephesus was in modern-day Turkey. Uh, Smyrna would be located about 40 miles to the north of Ephesus, uh, probably reached uh, through the ministry at Ephesus, uh, in Acts 19, Brother Mike, uh, Paul speaks of, of being there in Ephesus for a couple of years. Uh, and the Bible says that the whole area of Asia, or modern Turkey, basically, uh, was reached at that time, both Jews and Gentiles, uh, Jews and Greeks. Uh, and so it seems quite likely that um, Smyrna uh, was likely reached uh, at the same time. Uh, I think there's a city down south somewhere, Brother Gary, that's named Smyrna, maybe in Georgia, lots of uh, American cities named after uh, biblical places, uh, and so that's just an interesting uh, observation. Uh, what is it? Oh, boy. Is that, is that right? Well, wow. Okay. Well, so, some of these biblical name usages are more interesting than others. Uh, yeah. Uh, Revelation 2, uh, message to, to Smyrna now beginning uh, in chapter, verse 8. We'll get our words out this morning. Uh, Zach, did we pray? We did. We prayed. We're good. I think we prayed. Uh, Revelation 2, verse 8. The angel of the church in Smyrna, unto the angel 
uh, of the church in Smyrna write, uh, these things saith the first and the last, which was dead uh, and is alive. And so we know the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking. Uh, he's describing his, himself, uh, the, the first and the last, his eternality. Uh, he was dead. He did die upon the cross. He did rise again on the third day. Uh, he's eternal uh, in every way. And so we know this is Christ speaking. He's, he's describing himself. Uh, he addresses uh, John. He says, John, write unto the angel uh, of the church in Smyrna. Now, uh, recall, we've addressed this word angel a number of times. Let me, let me just speak quickly to it again. The underlying word has the idea uh, of a messenger, and often, that, Mike, that would be a, a literal angel. Uh, however, we think that the word is probably being used as a reference to the pastors uh, of the churches in, in these messages. If that's not the case, this would be pretty unusual. Uh, Brother Ray, of course, we have many instances where the Lord uses angels to deliver messages to individuals, uh, Mary uh, and Joseph, for example, uh, but we don't really have a, a, another place in Scripture where uh, a literal angel is being used to deliver a message uh, to a church uh, or, or to a large group. So that, that would be unusual if, if the Lord is using literal angels this way. Instead, he seems to be using the, the, the underlying word in its literal sense, uh, a messenger. And of course, pastors, Mike, they're messengers also, right? Pastors are charged by the Lord with uh, delivering God's words, the message of God's words uh, through teaching and preaching and counseling and so forth. So uh, this would seem to be the way this word is being used, the angel of the church in Smyrna uh, being the pastor uh, of the church almost, almost definitely would be the case. Uh, and so the Lord says, John, okay, you've written the message to Ephesus, to the pastor at Ephesus, uh, now we turn northward to Smyrna. Uh, here's my message to the pastor there uh, and for the church there uh, at, at Smyrna. Uh, we see the Lord's eternality or, uh, yeah, his eternality in verse 8, his omniscience in verse 9. He says, I know thy works. Uh, I know thy works and tribulation and poverty. Uh, so the Lord says, hey, I, I see your service uh, I see the difficulty that you are enduring uh, there uh, in, in your assembly in, in Smyrna. I, I know that you are enduring the difficulty of material poverty as, as well. Uh, by the way, if, you're, if you were not using a King James Bible this morning, uh, thy works uh, would not be there, or else there might be a footnote that says, something about how we don't think it belongs in the Bible, the so-called critical text that underlies the modern Bible translations uh, excludes uh, that phrase. Uh, we believe that's a corruption uh, of Scripture in, in that form uh, of the text. Thankfully, we have a uh, preserved form of the underlying text, and so our King James Bible, uh, which is made from that uh, preserved form, and, and translates these words. And uh, we can be confident this morning that we, in our King James Bible, have all the words present accurately translated. So that's just a good reminder. Uh, Lord, Lord, help us stick with our Bible. It has all of the words that you've given accurately translated. Uh, again, the Lord says, um, speaking to his omniscience, I know your works um, uh, and tribulation uh, and poverty. I see your service. Now he's speaking 
literally to the pastor, we believe. By extension, I think, Brother Ray, we might conclude that he's saying to the pastor, hey, I see your service in the church. Uh, I, I see the service of, of all of the uh, saved, baptized members uh, of the church there in Smyrna. Uh, I see your works uh, and tribulation uh, and poverty. Um, Zach, I wonder uh, if you have any thoughts about why the Lord might combine those three things together. I see your service. I see your tribulation. I see your poverty. Any, any thoughts on that? Okay, if you don't. Um, I, I wonder if he's saying, hey, I see the fact that you're serving despite the difficulty that you're going through. Gary, do you see something like that? Uh, I, I, I see that I want you to know that, that I, your, your Lord, your Savior, I see your faithful service despite the fact that you are going through uh, great difficulty in your church. The Lord knows that. Uh, he, go, go ahead, what was it? Yeah, he says, he says tribulation and, and poverty, but, but thou art rich. Uh, evidently, they, they were suffering uh, material poverty. Uh, Brother Ray, financial poverty is, is the idea. That was part of, uh, part of the trial, the difficulty they were experiencing. The Lord says, but <laughs> in fact, uh, thou art, or you are, you are in fact rich. Rich how, Brother Gary? Yeah, they're rich, rich in heavenly treasure. They're, they're rich spiritually. Uh, yes, you're struggling practically, uh, but boy, there, there's a richness in, in your relationship with Christ. Uh, you're, you're rich in eternal reward, which is being stored up uh, in heaven. Um, the Lord says, don't, don't lose sight of these things. That, that's the implication, right? Uh, he sees their service, he knows their tribulation, their, the difficulties uh, that they are experiencing. Um, of course, the Lord throughout his ministry reminded, of course, he suffered trials and tribulation, needless to say. Uh, he reminded that his people uh, would uh, experience the same. Uh, in John 16, verse 33, Jesus says, In the world ye shall have tribulation, uh, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Uh, yeah, we, we are nonetheless going to suffer uh, difficulty. Uh, Paul, uh, Paul's missionary journeys, of course, were filled with service despite all of the trial and difficulty and persecution and tribulation uh, that, that he uh, experienced. He said, uh, Acts 14.22, we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. Uh, Paul, of course, knew that um, perfectly well. Uh, in Romans 5 and, and verse 3, he said, We glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulations work of patience. Uh, so uh, Paul was uh, well acquainted with the idea that he could serve despite trials, uh, and that as he continued to serve in the face of trials, Brother Mike, he was growing spiritually. Uh, the Lord was enabling him to continue uh, to serve throughout trials as he does us, but not only just enabling us to continue uh, to serve, but growing us uh, throughout all of that. And so Paul understood that, and uh, I think the Lord here is reminding, hinting at that at least, all these wonderful truths that uh, the Lord sees that what was true for Paul is, is true for this church uh, at Smyrna. There, The pastor uh, and the people are continuing uh, to serve 
uh, regarding their various tribulations, uh, which would include their, their material poverty. By the way, Zach, if you take away the phrase, thy works, as uh, the vast majority of modern translations would, I, I think you lose the whole idea there. I think, I think the whole idea is lost. The fact the Lord is, in a sense, commending uh, faithful service despite great trials, tribulations, difficulties. Um, yeah, uh, Lord, thank you for our King James Bible. Um, riches, uh, spiritual riches, let's take a quick tour. Uh, flip over to Ephesians 1, if you would. Uh, let's just take a very quick tour. Uh, Paul writing not to the church at Smyrna, but to the church at Ephesus, uh, you know this, um, wrote uh, quite a bit about the um, spiritual riches that believers enjoy in Christ, the unsearchable uh, riches of Christ. Look at Ephesians 1 and verse 7, writing of Christ, uh, Paul writes, in whom we have redemption, it's Ephesians 1 and verse 7, uh, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches, the riches of uh, his grace. And so it's, it's a picture of the greatness of the Lord's grace, uh, but um, there's, there's a spiritual richness that, that we enjoy uh, as we partake of the riches of the grace of, of Christ uh, in salvation and beyond. Uh, look at verse 18. So you're there in Ephesians 1, verse 18. He says, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that are so that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, uh, and what the, uh, read the rest of the verse aloud with me, please, the riches of the glory of his inheritance uh, in the saints. So spiritual riches, uh, really uh, one of the themes of Ephesians. Uh, turn over to chapter 2 and verse 4. Chapter 2 and verse 4. But God, uh, read the next phrase with me, who is rich in mercy. Yeah, amen. Uh, rich in mercy. Uh, so the Lord's uh, grace is, is referred to as rich. His mercy is referred to as rich. Uh, for his great love where with he, he loved us. Spiritual riches, uh, no matter how... Uh, financially impoverished we may be at, a, at any given point in time, uh, we enjoy wonderful spiritual riches, uh, which of course are infinitely more valuable. Uh, you're in Ephesians 2, look at verse 7, that in the ages to come he might show us the exceeding riches of his grace, uh, the abundance of, of the Lord's grace, but being uh, an exceedingly rich grace that he showers upon us. Look at verse uh, chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3, uh, verse 8, um, the humility of Paul in view here. He says, unto me whom, who am less than the least of all saints. This is Paul who is used so greatly of the Lord, uh, certainly uh, used greatly at Ephesus, calls himself less than the least of all saints. Is this grace given? Uh, there's purpose that I should preach among the Gentiles, the unsearchable riches of Christ. Yeah, uh, amen. This, it's the unsearchable riches of Christ that uh, we have been blessed with uh, as people who have uh, come to him uh, by grace through faith. 
Uh, and one more verse, you're, you're in chapter 3, look at verse 16, that he would grant, uh, Paul's prayer for them, that he would grant them according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit uh, in the inter, inner man, inner man. So uh, a wonderful theme of, of the book of Ephesians, the, the rich spiritual blessings that we know um, in Christ. Mike, it doesn't cost us anything. It costs Christ his life, but it doesn't cost us anything. This is a, a wonderful uh, richness, a spiritual riches that, that we know uh, in him, despite how materially difficult things uh, may be. Um, look back here. Um, he says, I know thy works and tribulation uh, and poverty, material poverty, uh, but thou art rich spiritually, uh, and as Gary uh, said, uh, they're, they're rich in terms of the rewards that were being laid up for them in heaven. Then the Lord says this, he says, and uh, I know the blasphemy among them which say they are Jews and are not, uh, but are the synagogue uh, of Satan. And so uh, kind of changes there a little bit, right? Um, this might be uh, part of the, the trials and tribulations that the church was suffering there. And so it uh, seems to be the case that he's, he's saying uh, something like, um, I know that there are people uh, in the church there, in the assembly at Ephesus, um, who are blaspheming uh, the Lord. He says, uh, by the way, what is blasphemy? talking against something, speaking against something literally, it's usually used in the context of speaking against the Lord, right? Uh, so script, scripturally, it's, it's generally used that way, speaking against, um, I think the word is, is, the same word is translated railing, uh, speaking against or railing against. Uh, yeah, speaking evil or speaking against, usually used in the context of speaking uh, against the Lord. Uh, the Lord says, hey, I know, I know there's some who are blaspheming there uh, in the church, some which, which say they are Jews uh, um, and are not, but are, of, but are the synagogue of Satan. Maybe there's uh, some in the assembly there who were leaning on their, uh, their lineage, lineage or their heritage as Jewish people, trusting in that rather than trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, of course, we know this was a difficulty in, in many of the early churches. People uh, who, who had come out of Judaism continued to trust in their family tree, the fact that they were Jews by, by heritage, or Brother Mike trusting in the keeping, wanting to hold on to the Old Testament law, right? that which they had been handed down through their family tree. Uh, for their salvation, those, those Judaizers that, that Paul had dealt with um, at, at various times. Uh, and so Christ seems to be saying, hey, I understand part of your challenge, part of your tribulation, part of the difficulty uh, in which you, uh, that is the backdrop in which you continue to faithfully serve is you, you've got these people uh, there in, in the church who 
they're, they're not genuinely saved because they're not trusting in Christ. They're, they're trusting uh, in something else. Uh, he calls them the, the synagogue of, of Satan. Zach, if they're not genuinely saved, they're still on the other team, right? If they're not part of the family of God, they're still on uh, the enemy's team. And so Lord says, I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews uh, and are not, uh, but are of the, the synagogue uh, of Satan. It's, he says in verse 10, fear uh, none of those things uh, which thou shalt suffer, uh, the tribulation, the trial, uh, these who are not genuinely saved, who are holding to wrong things. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, uh, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, uh, and I will give you a, what is it? Crown of, of life. Now, there's a lot in that verse. Um, I, I've spent some time with this verse. I want to pick it apart for a couple of minutes. Uh, my theme last week was peas, right? I got some peas for you here uh, this morning as well. So, the uh, Lord is, is saying to the pastor and to the people, you see that the, uh, the pronouns here change from singular to plural. So uh, the message uh, literally broadens from the angel of the church or the pastor to uh, the members of the church. He says, uh, you into prison, ye may be tried, ye shall have tribulation. Um, so the, there, there's a broadening of, of uh, the audience uh, for the message seemed to be uh, to the church at, at large, literally. Uh, so the Lord is speaking here, um, regard, he's giving instruction regarding uh, the trials and tribulations that, that the church is experiencing, uh, which evidently, again, would include um, their poverty, their material poverty, um, and the, the difficulty with these uh, who, Jewish people who um, are not genuinely saved, who continue to hold to their, their heritage or lineage uh, rather than to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So there are great difficulties, uh, trials. There's a spiritual trial there. There's a practical trial there. There's a fair amount of tribulation, uh, no doubt, that people are experiencing there in the church. And so uh, the Lord says, hey, here's some things that I want you to know about the nature of trials and tribulations. Some, he gives some instruction. I, I see at least five points here, uh, five ideas, five Ps. Let me, let me give you five Ps, uh, first of all. Uh, first, see the person that is behind at least some of the trials that we experience, the person. He says, behold, the devil shall cast some of you uh, into prison. I think this language here is probably intended to be some, somewhat poetic here. Uh, not, not may, could be literal prison, Brother Ray, uh, the tri trial of being wrongly imprisoned. Uh, that, that could be the case. Uh, I suspect the Lord is using that a little bit more poetically. He's using prison not literally, but as more of sort of a poetic reference to sort of the prison of, of tribulation, the trial, trials and, 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 and difficulties in general, which certainly could include wrongful imprisonment, literally. But I think he's using the, the word a little bit more generally or, or poetically here. He says, behold, the devil shall cast some of you 
uh, into prison. So, so the person, uh, Satan is not, not a person like us, but, but he's personal. He's not a, a force of evil like, like gravity, like the Holy Spirit is personal. He's, he's not an impersonal force, neither is Satan uh, an impersonal force of, of evil. In Star Wars, Zach, was there a force of evil? Was the force evil? Was it good? I don't know. But that, it was not personal, right? Uh, not biblical either. Amen. Um, so Satan is behind some of the trials that, that we experience. He, he is personal. Is he behind all the trials that we experience? You're, you're going like this. Uh, I, I would agree. Don't you think many of the trials that we experience are the result of our own unbiblical choices or, uh, by the way, our own failure, just our own simple failure to exercise biblical wisdom or to make choices that are not consistent with, with scripture. Uh, you could say, well, maybe Satan factored into that. Maybe he influenced that. Maybe. Uh, I think we'll take care and not give him more credit than, than he is due. Uh, certainly, we're in a spiritual battle with a very real Satan. And that's he is part of the, the reason for the difficulties that we experience. We struggle with our own flesh. We struggle with the world. There's, you know, there's, a, there's at least three uh, influences that, that come into uh, the picture uh, when we think about trials and, and tribulations that, that we suffer. Sometimes it's our own fault. Uh, sometimes Satan has had influence. Sometimes we've wrongly given into his influence. But uh, he is, in fact, uh, the person... Uh, behind the spiritual battle that we experience. Uh, there's purpose that I believe the Lord allows these things. The why, why does the Lord allow a, a very real Satan uh, to cause uh, trials and tribulations at times? Well, second P is, is he has a purpose. He has a purpose. Uh, you see here in verse 10, Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, uh, what's the next phrase there? Read aloud with me, please. That ye may be tried. Yeah, there's purpose, that or so that. So the Lord's saying, yeah, the, the devil shall cast some of you in, into prison. Uh, and the Lord, Lord gives the purpose for that. He doesn't, he doesn't literally say, I'm allowing that so that you can be tried, so that you might grow through the experience of that trial. But Micah, I think that's, that's implied. Uh, that, that, that certainly is implied by the Lord as he says this, that or so that uh, you may be tried. And, you know, I have my ages old illustration, Brother Ray, of uh, the idea that if I go into the gym and give my muscles a trial through weights, they will grow. If the Lord allows us to experience spiritual trials and difficulties, we will grow spiritually. Uh, I think this is, this is the idea here. There's a person behind trials. Uh, it's very real, Satan or the devil. Uh, the Lord has a purpose for allowing that, uh, our spiritual growth. Um, in the very next phrase there, you see, uh, and ye shall have tribulation for how long? Ten days. Now look at that, and I say, is there, is there something literal, literal to the, the 10 days? I don't know if you've thought about that, studied that out. Um, I, don't, I don't know if it's in... Go ahead, did you have a thought? 
Yeah, I mean, if it's, if it's literal, I, I'll be honest with you, I don't know exactly what to make of that, but what I do know is that 10 days is a finite time, amen? It's, it's not forever, uh, it's 10 days. So what I see here is the idea, sure, there's a person uh, behind our trials, Satan, loves to, to speed to foment spiritual battles and trials lord has a purpose for allowing that uh but good news is beyond that they, they only last for a, for a point in time a little bit of a reach for a p there but work with me uh the trials and tribulations that we experience they they only they only endure for a point in time they don't uh, persist. There's another P if you prefer. There's another P. Uh, they, they don't go on forever. Uh, I think probably 10 days is being used here somewhat poetically, as I think prison is probably being used poetically. But Zach, I have this one on my list of questions for the Lord that, that I hope to have answered uh, one day. It's, it's very interesting that he, sa he said 10 days literally uh, as if there's something significant to that. But uh, I'm going to rejoice for now in my understanding that 10 days is not forever. It's a relatively short uh, period of time. You could write it that way too. Uh, we have a lot of P's for, for this idea. Um, he says, be thou faithful unto death. Uh, in my notes, I wrote this is the Lord's prescription uh, his prescription for when we face trials and tribulation, be faithful, be faithful. Uh, recognize the, the temptation in the face of trials and tribulations uh, is to be less than faithful. It's to flee away from the Lord. Uh, Brother Ray, to, sometimes to flee into worldly things that might offer some temporary comfort, temporary false comfort, but uh, no, Lord would have us to uh, remain faithful uh, unto death even, uh, to persist in our faithfulness un unto, even unto death. When we're facing trials and tribulations, uh, we know there's a person behind that. We know the Lord has a purpose for allowing that. Uh, we know it won't persist forever. It'll only last uh, for a point in time. Lord's prescription is to be faithful uh, in the face of trials. Gary, how can we be? Trust in him, yield to him. Uh, Lord, I need your grace. Uh, and I need it to be um, as big <laughs> as all those verses that we saw in Ephesians 1 and 2 and chapter 3. Uh, I, I, I need that kind of grace from you in my life to, uh, to continue on, uh, to remain faithful even unto death. Yeah, Lord, Lord help me. You, you, you pray, you look to the Lord for strength, uh, you stay close to him. Uh, and then the fifth P is there's a promise. There's a promise of reward for those who uh, would do that. He says, uh, and, so and of course, connects the next thought very tightly with the previous thought. He says, be, be thou faithful unto death and uh, I will give thee a crown of life. He promises uh, a crown, uh, a reward uh, in heaven. Now, crown of life is, is, is viewed as the martyr's crown and, and, and this, this might be literal uh, in the sense, hey, if, if, if you suffer the trial, tribulation, of persecution unto death, there, there's going to be a literal reward for uh, martyrs. We, we know that that is, in fact, the case. James 1, 
uh, in verse 12 says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, uh, he shall receive the crown of life, uh, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. So it's used uh, in a literal sense of, of martyrs, but seems to be used in a more general sense of those who, would, who, who simply endure uh, temptation, who endure the trial or, or tribulation of, of temptation, much of which the devil is behind. So there's a, there's a promise of reward for those who remain faithful in the face of trials and tribulation. Uh, there's person behind that. Lord has a purpose for allowing these things to go on, not forever, but for a point in time. He has a prescription. Stay faithful. Stay close to me. Uh, you will know my grace. And if you do, there's a reward uh, that he promises. That's a good message, Zach, to the pastor and to the people of a church that are going through some, some difficulties, practical and spiritual difficulties. Lord says, hey, you're, you're, you're being faithful. You're, you're continuing to serve. I, I see your works. Don't give up. Don't give up. Here's some truths, uh, general instruction about trials and tribulations. Uh, hold on to that. Uh, by the way, all of, all of those P's come from one verse. Don't you, don't you just marvel sometimes at the richness of Scripture? There could be so much packed into one verse. If you just kind of stop and, and, and chew on it and meditate on it, pick it apart, um, um, and, and just say, Lord, Lord, show me everything that, that you would have me to see uh, in this one verse. There's, there's so much there, uh, and there's more. There, there's more. Uh, verse 11, uh, we'll wrap it up here. He says, he that hath an ear, uh, let him hear what the Spirit saith. So this message is being given to uh, John, in, in a sense, going back to chapter 1, from the Father to the Son, to John, by the Spirit. The, Spirit, the Holy Spirit is referenced here again. Uh, we, remember, we saw sort of the mechanics of, of the words coming from the Father to John. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Uh, churches. Now, here's another reason why we would take the position that John's writing to literal churches uh, here in Revelation, as opposed to some who have said, oh, he's, he's, he's poetically sort of uh, picturing time periods or ages in, in history. No, uh, unto the churches. There is some poetry in, in this chapter and symbolic language for sure, but uh, no reason, once again, not to see that he is writing to literal churches. We know they were churches, and, and so no reason not to view it that way. He says, he that overcometh... Uh, shall not be hurt of the second death. What is the second death? Judgment unto, yeah, yeah. Um, flip over to Revelation chapter 20. You're in Revelation 2. Flip over to chapter 20. We'll see a few verses and we're done. Um, yeah, and so this is uh, a promise here. Um, he, that hath an, uh, he that overcomes shall not be hurt of, of the second death. Um, so this, this no doubt is, you have to conclude this is a picture of someone um, who, um, who is saved uh, despite all of the uh, wrong doctrine that they were wrestling with in that church, the, the Judaizers, the, the blasphemers. Um, he, someone who uh, is saved will not have to worry about the lake of fire. 
um, they will not experience the second death. Uh, Revelation 20 and verse 12, John writes, I saw the dead, this seemed to be the, the, the great white throne judgment, not the judgment seat of Christ where our service will be judged, uh, but rather the sin of the lost. John says, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And books were open, another book was opened, uh, which is the book of life. The dead were judged out of those things uh, which were written in the books according to their works. The sea gave up the dead which were in it, uh, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, uh, according to their works. And, and death and hell uh, were cast uh, into the lake of fire. Uh, read, the, read the last phrase of that verse with me, please. This is the second death. And so you know, it's a great example of how you see a, a phrase that you're not sure what it means. Well, Bible software, <laughs> website, you know, search that term and, and you might find that term somewhere else where the Lord gives you a literal definition uh, of that. Verse 15, he says, whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into uh, the lake of fire. So we know that a lost person, if they die today, Brother Ray, they, they go to hell in, in that moment. Uh, they will be, they will, in a sense, be resurrected and judged for their sin uh, and then cast into the lake of fire. That is, that is their only hope, and that's not much hope at all. Uh, our certain hope uh, in Christ is that we die uh, physically. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, uh, awaiting the resurrection of our bodies unto incorruptibility, uh, reunited with our spirits, uh, resurrection bodies uh, that evidently persist throughout eternity. Uh, that's a much better hope. Amen. That's a much better hope. And we praise the Lord for that hope. Um, this church, this pastor and this church uh, evidently stayed faithful to serve despite trials, persecutions, difficulties uh, that Satan was behind. The Lord saw that and commended, at least the commendation is implied. Lord, help us to stay faithful in the face of trials, knowing that you're working in them, knowing that they, they don't persist forever, uh, knowing that there's, there's a way through that and that there's a, a reward, a promise of reward uh, for enduring that as well. That's a good message uh, to the church at Smyrna. Let's stop there. Father, thank you. Thank you so much, Lord, for uh, this book. Thank you, Lord, for the Bible. Thank you for the book of Revelation. Thank you, Father, for uh, all of the amazing truth uh, that um, we see revealed to the churches uh, that are addressed here. Lord, we know this morning these things are recorded. They're inscripturated because they're for us as well. Uh, all the wonderful truth and help and encouragement is, is for us as well. And we thank you so much for that. Father, I pray that... Uh, help us to remember the things that we've seen here quickly this morning. Lord, I pray that as we go into the next hour now, that you'll give us hearts uh, to worship you in spirit and truth. Lord, hearts filled with uh, a loving gratitude for our salvation, for our hope in Christ. Lord, I pray that um, you'll work in this next hour as we look at 1 Corinthians 13, uh, this agape love, uh, the character of it, um, Lord, there's so much important teaching there. I pray that you help us to get a hold of uh, each 
a thing that you have us to see this morning. And Lord, to apply these things to our hearts. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, thank you so much for being here. See you back shortly.